0: I'm Larissa and I wanna help you find the best strategy for communicating the magic and wonder of your jewelry brand. So you can thrive by doing what you love and filling the world with beauty and creativity. Welcome to the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Larissa Worstiek. Through this podcast, I aim to empower and inspire jewelry entrepreneurs and innovators so they can thrive by doing what they love. I'm passionate about digital marketing for jewelry brands, and I'm excited to share my passion with you. This is episode 121, and today I'm going to be sharing an interview with Ama McKinley, the founder of Ilium Wing. I actually first digitally met Alma through Clubhouse because she's one of the founders of a weekly Clubhouse room called The Atelier, which was made for jewelers who want to come together and share their experiences in the industry. Alma McKinley, began making waist jewelry in 2010 after creating her first strands for herself and a few friends, inspired by the sacred, powerful, and divine symbolism of waist jewelry to uphold femininity, fertility, protection, and spirituality, Ama followed her calling to reawaken the energy of this century-old tradition of adornment and healing. And if you don't know about waste jewelry and you're new to this, she'll give you a little bit of background in the episode, so definitely keep listening. Her use of natural materials such as bone, beads, precious metals, and gemstones preserves the origins of this ancient talisman while her designs add a modern, elevated perspective. She then ended up founding Ilium Wing in 2019. In this episode, I talk to Alma about topics like branding and setting your jewelry brand apart in a crowded marketplace, marketing with a focus on genuine engagement and community building, the power of emerging platforms like Clubhouse, and tips for ep- executing an on-brand lifestyle photo shoot for your jewelry brand. It was so fun to talk to Ama and I really hope you enjoy this conversation. I do want to remind you if that you want if you want to ask a question for an upcoming episode, you can visit joyjoya.com/ask. You can be anonymous. I love getting questions and then I'll do my best to answer that question on a future episode. But before we get to the interview, I wanna share some marketing related news and insights from the past week that caught my attention. So let's talk about Facebook shops. Have you ever thought about using Facebook shops maybe as a showroom for your jewelry brand and products instead of being focused on conversions? So Facebook shops can actually be used as a top of funnel tool to drive brand awareness. While you may not end up getting sales directly from Facebook, it's a good first step for connecting with customers, especially if they haven't found you through your e-commerce website first so they can kind of start browsing your products, use Facebook shops as a digital catalog. It's always worth a try because of the low barrier to entry and it's a good way to start experimenting with social selling, which is all about building relationships and making your prospective customer's life easier. As you may already know, video content is huge right now for engagement YouTube is actually testing a feature right now that will hopefully provide consumers with a new way to shop and it will provide YouTube influencers with an easy way to showcase products that they mention in their videos, like jewelry or fashion. So this product detection feature will actually allow viewers of the video to see more information about all the products mentioned without having to click any links in the description. So it makes shopping super easy, kind of like the checkout uh, product tagging feature on Instagram this could potentially make it easier for consumers to buy items from their favorite influencers when they're recommended and it's a chance for brands like yours to reach new audiences on youtube And lastly, Anthropologie is currently testing an immersive and interactive digital catalog on Pinterest. So they're aiming to convert Pinterest users into shoppers to inspire people to buy. It really provides a link between the visual search aspect of Pinterest and shopping. A lot of brands in addition to Anthropologie are using Pinterest to help turn pinners inspiration into reality by making products easier to find and shop for and have more shoppable pins all across Pinterest. How does a digital catalog differ from print Well, it allows people to collect and share their images for inspiration before making a purchase. Kind of how like back in the day, people might actually cut out pictures from magazines and catalogs and then create mood and inspiration boards. This is definitely a digital way to do it and adds another layer of functionality to it because it's super easy to shop right from those inspiration images. Pinterest is super great for driving traffic and sales and pins help people find more information about products they're looking to buy if you want to get the links to the articles i share in this segment of the podcast you can sign up for my email newsletter by visiting joyjoya.com sign up and you'll get a digest with the links every time a new episode drops all right let's get to my interview with ama tell me a little bit about your background in the jewelry industry how did you come into this space Sure. Um, and thank you
1: so much for having me here. Let me just start with that. Yeah, I'm really you're excited welcome. I'm to happy you, to have honors. you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so my background in jewelry is, I guess, meandering. But the short version is, is that like a lot of people, I started uh, playing with beads to make jewelry. Um, as a little girl, that was my favorite pastime. As I became a young woman, I learned that um, a lot of women and girls of African descent, you know, from, you know, West Africa and East Africa and African-Americans and throughout the Caribbean, a lot of women um, wear waist beads, waist jewelry. And oftentimes waist beads are worn underneath the clothes and they're worn for a lot of different reasons, whether it's just, you know, sensuality or fertility or to track weight loss and gain and There's just these very subcultural reasons that, you know, women are wearing these uh, underclothed adornments. So I started to make them myself when I was in my 20s and wear them myself and was very excited. And I had this woman ask me, I remember this was 2013, she asked me if I would make some waist beads for her. And she wanted these waist beads to represent the goddess Yemiya, who is a West African goddess of the ocean and so I made some beads for her and this pattern and used some semi-precious stones and I didn't see her in for a year after I gave her the gemstone and she said I wore your beads one time Amma and it was that day that I became pregnant and I was freaked out because I just thought that I was making pretty things um so it was that then that I realized I said, okay, well, maybe there's something to this. Like women have been doing this and wearing them for hundreds and thousands of years. There might be something to this. So that's how it started. When I decided to go full speed into, you know, preparing for and building my brand Ilium Wing, I studied as a bench jeweler for about a year. It um, also like worked at retail stores for jewelry and you know, learning how to grade diamonds and common jewelry, you know, jewelry um, repair that need to be made and just got really hungry for whatever I could to be around these pieces. Um, so yeah, did a lot of, you know, um, waxing and molding and, and all of those things and all that as I was building Ilium and the structure. And then that's 2019 and 2020, I went full force into, building the brand and the business side of things and making my prototypes and it's gone on from there.
0: I love that story. How did, how did you first get introduced to Waste speeds? Was it something that you were always around growing up or was there a moment where you like first learned about them?
1: That's a really good question. So I was not, they were not around when I was growing up. I did not know about that. I have friends who have worn them since children one of my friends from Ghana, she says her aunt will get her a new strand every day on her birthday since she's been a little girl. Um, but I didn't know until I was actually um, getting ready to finish graduate school. A lot of women in my community there wore them. I had There was an older woman who introduced me to gemstones and, you know, semi-precious stones and crystals. And, you know, I started to wear those as jewelry with like an understanding for the first time around that time. And then I don't know why I made that first strand for myself. I don't know if someone instructed me or what it was, but that's when I got into it It was right around the same time that time that I started paying attention to gemstones. And um, it's just, I've never given it up since then.
0: That's amazing. I love it. So I, you talked you. a little bit about Ilium Wing. Was there a moment where you really knew like this had to be a business versus just a hobby? Was it because mm. that woman kind of gave you that feedback or was it something else that inspired you to move forward? So Ilium Wing
1: didn't come until many years later. So Ilium Wing, just <laughs> making speed started in 2010. L.A.M. Wing did not become conceived as a business, as a brand, until 2009, so nine years, going on 10 years later. Um, when I left corporate America and was trying to figure out what am I going to do, what is, what is, what am I, I'm, I'm completely associated with this part of my brain, <laughs> what am I going to do, and my, um, my boyfriend at the time, I was very down at the time, and he decided he wanted to get me a, a random gift. And that random gift was a Marco Bichigo bracelet. And it was absolutely gorgeous. And I just kept staring at it because I'm like, should I be wearing this right now or should I be wearing an evening gown? Because like I'd have on like just a t-shirt and like my skin's dry and like my hair's not done, but I'm wearing this most beautiful immaculate bracelet. And it was so, it was such a, a dichotomy for me at the time to wear something so beautiful and not be prepared for it or deserving of it, quote unquote. And, um, and I just was staring at it for a couple of hours and he said, you know, this reminds me a lot of the waist beads that you used to used to make. And if that's something, I know how happy it made you and if that's something you wanted to pursue, then I would support you. That was the conception of Ilium Wing because I realized that No one was making these pieces out of precious metals and and, and gemstone. Primarily waste beads are made with thread and and glass beads. And I said, if I could figure out a way to make thread with gold, if I can figure out how to do this and really elevate this art, then there might be possibility there. One of my first jewelry fabrication teachers here in Atlanta, she was showing me... um, the book from the Met Gala's, um, not Met Gala, the Met's um, collection of jewelry. And in it, there were waist beads, they called them girdles back then, but waist beads of um, a princess, one of the Pharaoh's daughters from the Middle Kingdom. And there were these lion heads that had been casted and they were hollow and they had little gold ball bearings inside. And then the beads were amethyst And gold and so basically she would wear these around the egyptian ballast and they would ring and i was like oh so you're telling me that what i imagined making already exists and that was the spark for me it was it started with this bracelet then it went all the way back to this example in ancient times and i was like oh what i want to do is not so far-fetched and it's been off from there from idea conception to, okay, now how do I turn this into a business
0: and how do I turn this into a brand? Wow. I have to make a random comment that bracelet sounds like love such random. a lovely gift. I would I would love a, a bracelet like that. Um, but I also very, love- Very,
1: very good gift.
0: Yeah. I love that it had this extra layer of like making you think and inspiring you and not just being like a beautiful object. And I think jewelry yeah. can be so amazing in that way. Um, so would would you say you were talking about how you realized that n- nothing really existed? There were there was no other waste bead brand making them with like precious gemstones and metals. Mm-hmm. Would you mm-hmm. say that is the primary thing that differentiates your brand in the marketplace, or are there other layers to that also?
1: That's a good question. So absolutely, the 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 primary, the foremost thing is. How can I make the most beautiful, immaculate jewelry possible? Because I don't see that example at all, and I actually spent time researching, like what were the first luxury entrants into different categories? So I think like Louis Vuitton was one of those way back when everybody had luggage, but no one had this level of luggage. Um, and different, you know, I think that uh, Cadillac was the first luxury car maker or car brand in the U.S. So that's what I started to be inspired by was, you know, we can do better and I can do better. Let me be the one that can elevate this art. Beyond that, and this gets into like the brand intention is that I, th- I, I think so highly of women. I think so highly of the feminine. That for me, to make the most beautiful pieces that I can, which are inherently feminine, they're worn on the waist, um, you know, they adorn the hips, then why wouldn't I make someone something, excuse me, something as immaculate as I can for this very special and intimate feminine space? And so everything is born out of, you know, what is the reason for opulence? How can opulence be, you know, like it was for me with the Marco Bichigo bracelet. Like I can be opulent even if like I haven't washed my hair in a while. Like it doesn't have to be a worthiness thing. And so jewelry has been a method of teaching for me. And so even through building of the brand, whether someone buys pieces or they see the pieces worn to start that conversation of, you know what is opulence, and maybe there doesn't have to be a level of worthiness to take part in that.
0: <laughs> I think that probably has a lot more sin- significance too. In in um, pandemic times, when everyone's at home mm-hmm. and like wearing yeah. sweatpants and doesn't have opportunity to go out and dress up, and jewelry is mm-hmm. such an easy way to still like celebrate that and have that feeling. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, you know, you talk about the pandemic and made me think of, again, as I was building this, you know, how did purchasing habits and like consumer habits change during the great recession and what did the recession then create? So before the recession, you had like a lot of the juicy couture and the bright colors and the, you know, bedazzlers. and, And then the recession came and things became, as far as brands, a lot quieter and better quality so people still you know those who were able to still wanted to experience luxury but it became insular and there also was a facet of that you know people who wanted to share because then we had the sharing economy that came out of that as well which came you know people want to know what are your values how are you connected to people how is how are you giving back so so much came out of that time um and we are you know, there's a drastic shift happening right now as well. And so I am considering or, you know, taking the bet that making beautiful things can help to counter some of the most challenging times in, 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 in our history.
0: Absolutely. Did you find with Ilium Wing, um, speaking of like the sharing economy that you had to or did change your messaging at all, the kind of appeal to more of that, what the customer wants?
1: I think that reminds me of Kendra Scott. Kendra Scott did not open her first store until 2008 in New York City, so everything had just crashed and she says, we're gonna do this or we're not. So for me, almost in that vein, I'm starting while everything is already zeroed out in so many ways. This scale has been restarted. So I have not had to change messaging. The branding has been built through this time. Um, it's been built through looking and seeing what messages are missing, what's the possibility for messaging, and being able to create from there within this space.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense, and I I like that you brought up the example of Kendra Scott. I actually didn't realize that she launched her first brick and mortar in 2008. That is that yes, is a man. tough <laughs> challenge. Um, but look look at yes. her. You know, I think Absolutely. some of the the brands that last are the ones that are built in the most challenging times in many cases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, you know,
1: over the time of building, just researching, <coughs> excuse me, just researching and, you know, saying this has been done before and being willing to gamble. And it has been a gamble to not just do this, but then also dare to create something that I've never seen and something that's not out there to be a new category entrant. And I'm going to bet on myself and it's, 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 it's pretty fun. I'll say that it's, it's, I'm having a lot of fun.
0: So I was creeping a little bit on your LinkedIn profile and I noticed mm-hmm. that you do have a ton of job experience, career experience in branding and marketing. Tell me more yes. about that and yes. how it informs what you do with your brand.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, I've heard so often that you don't know what or how what you do will make sense later. And I had no clue (laughs) that any of this could bubble up into something. Um, I've had a very meandering career. I think like, you know, quote unquote, most millennials as a millennial, I'll just take it. Um, But I started grad school, you know, I, I started getting my MBA or studying for my MBA the fall of 2008 so that first semester you know, I'm getting my MBA and the entire business world crashes <laughs> so I'm like oh well this is not how anybody expected this to go um but you know before that I'd had three internships in undergrad the first was in Spain the third was in Mozambique Then my first job after graduate school was working in diversity, equity, and inclusion for recruiting and professional development. So I entered the workforce with a multinational, multicultural diversity, equity, inclusion mindset that came along with my education. So that's how I came into the world, not intending, but these, I was just always drawn to culture and language and people and travel. And so that's how I stepped in. Um, marketing was you know, what I always wanted to do, marketing and advertising. I ended up doing a lot of work at first with social media and developing content and copywriting and scheduling and all of these things. I ended up blogging because I just liked to write and it was catharsis, never was wanting to like sell ad placements. And that, that made my head hurt. I just liked to write so I could get it out. Um, Ended up, you know, learning a lot about metrics and data. And, you know, I was never, they're a part of the job, but if I'm honest, a lot of that stuff was very difficult to learn how to read the machine and always have to feed the machine and engagement and click rates. And so I knew enough to have the conversation for all these little pieces. Um, I ended up at a large advertising firm, um, one of the largest in the country. And while I was there, ended up working on brand strategy, I became a brand strategist. So then having to build the qualitative and quantitative case to support the creative ideas. And also while there, I got the opportunity to see how much does it take to make something look amazing? And Never seen budgets like this before, and didn't know how many people were involved in these decisions. And we have to have six internals to go over creative. I mean, just so much time. So by the time that ended, you know, within three or four weeks, I was wearing this Marco Beachgo bracelet and had the opportunity to pursue it. So as I've built Ilium, all of these things have come into place or into, into play, you know, even if it's just a mentality to think about it or consider it, most of these things I am not good at. (laughs) I am not, but I do know how to identify when someone is. And so I've, you know, pulled in with my very limited financial resources, but with, you know i've just committed to bringing in people who are better at these things than me so that i can make what i'm doing look as the best possible to support the work that i intend the work that i'm releasing in the world so i couldn't i couldn't dare say that i'm going to be the first entrant and make something that is not the best it can ever be so that's that's been my intention but that's how my career has all added up into in where I am now.
0: I think you make such a good point where, you, I mean, you say, I'm not good at this stuff. I'm sure you're a little good at this stuff, but I think it's important for small business owners to at least like understand the moving parts or understand mm-hmm. like what makes something look good or what it takes to make something look good. Because like you're saying, yeah. if not, you don't know who to bring in you, you, you don't know how much resor- how many resources it can take to get from point A to point B. So I think it's kind of Absolutely. nice that you have that experience so that at least you know who you need to tap in order to like help you fulfill, Absolutely. fulfill your vision. So I think that's really important. Absolutely.
1: Well, it's, it's been fortunate, but also I have tried so often on my own to do these things. So I've gotten a logo made on Upwork. I've gotten, you know, Fiverr and, you know, I've, I've done these things. I've built my own website on, you know, I I think i built my first website in 2009 on Wix. I mean, it looked horrible, but I had to figure out what this stuff was. i you know, build a couple of different sites and trying to brand myself and do these things on Squarespace years later with the best that I could, writing according to the best that I could, you know, trying to figure out how to brand myself the best that I could on Instagram. Why can I not get followers? Why am I not an influencer yet? Why do I only have 20 likes? Why, why do I? Okay, I need a hashtag strategy. Okay, I need all these things. Um, so that when I say I'm not good, I'm like, it all would give me a headache, <laughs> but um, trying to manage it all. But what I have learned is that the failing has allowed me to say, okay, so not only am I not this good at it, I'm not, it also gives me a headache, but there is somebody who is good at this and is financially accessible to me. I've never hired a firm for anything. I don't have firm hiring money. No. But I do know that I went to school with a girl who majored in photography, and then she ended up going to like advertising school, and we're friends, and she wants to help with this. Oh, well, you know what? I need models. So I'm going to ask all of my girlfriends please come model. And you know what? I do not have money to give you, but we're going to have music. We're going to have food and we're going to (laughs) dance. So (laughs) I've just brought in what I could. Um, And that's, that's, that's really what I believe in is that I have failed so many times trying to create moving parts. That I was like, I've got to pull in people who are better than better at this than me
0: makes so that, much that's sense been one of
1: the guiding
0: yeah yeah I can totally relate also I finished grad school in 2009 and kind of was thrown into the same world you were so when you were talking I was like wow what a crazy ride and journey <laughs> it's like I think a lot of millennials can relate to that entering the world in that in that time
1: <laughs> I mean nothing has been the same and so like for so long there's been so much flack against millennials and millennials and millennials don't want to but we entered into the world while the world we had gone to school for immediately didn't exist anymore
0: absolutely it's very true
1: yep <laughs> and you know the 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 great promise of all these things like we didn't have access to those things so that's why we had to start sharing houses sharing cars. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> so we've been innovative all along because we've just been trying to make it work. And um, it's amazing, you know, it, it, this, it, this entrepreneurial spirit. is not just because everybody wants to be Mark Zuckerberg, but because we're all trying to use our skills in a new world with new tools and new economy and new possibilities. Because if we don't, we might not have
0: much Yeah, no, I agree. I 100% think I wouldn't be here today with you doing this podcast and having my business if I didn't enter the world at the time that I did because I have had to be a hustler due to the circumstances (laughs) since
1: 2009. (laughs) Due Due to the circumstances, absolutely. If I had not lost my job in advertising, I would have never, I would have never gone so, so, so tettled to the metal with Ilium. No way in the world. No way. I was on a track, you know, for better or for worse, I was on a track. Um, so the circumstances, you know, that opportunity ending is directly correlated to me. Doing alien. And then I always say, you know, 2020 is when the, the apocalypse came and the world ended. If <laughs> last year hadn't happened, I wouldn't have been able to go so hard on this either. I was like, well, I don't have much else. I think that I given the opportunity and given the privilege to go for it, like I've got to do it now. Yep. So that's that's what I've ended up coming to a number of times in my career, is like I don't have much else like failure is already here like I don't have to have a fear of failure like it's all around let's just do it and so so far it's you know it's kind of working out
0: I like that <laughs> attitude you know, I love it it's great
1: i want y'all know how it goes That's what <to>.
0: So Amma, I like digitally met you or discovered you on Clubhouse because you have the mm-hmm. atelier group that I, you founded it, you run it once I a week. I did, I yeah. did, yes. So tell me more about this in case people aren't uh, familiar with it. Got it. So for those who may not know or have heard
1: about this thing called Clubhouse, Clubhouse is the newest social media platform that is. Purely audio. It's all just conversation. Now, when I was working in advertising, I remember my boss. God bless him. He said that I always wanted to like have a face-to-face meeting because I like to talk to people. That's how I understand and I just that's just what I do. I like to talk to people so we can understand and be on the same page. I'm a very tribal woman. I'm just a campfire tell stories kind of woman. Okay, so. Clubhouse works with me because it's, um, it's easier for me to talk than it is to type or write all the time. Typing captions and making sure it doesn't go over characters. And, no, let's just have a conversation. So anyway, Clubhouse is just all audio. And there are some people who use it like listening to a podcast and they just, you know, are, you know, passive or active listeners. And sometimes you can raise your hand and ask questions and participate or be on the quote unquote main stage and just join the conversation. I always like to explain Clubhouse to people as imagine walking through a coffee shop and you see different tapes and people are talking about things and you can decide to lean over and see what they're talking about or you can pull up a chair. That's Clubhouse for me. So I joined, I was invited. You do have to be invited iphone only so android people step it up um but i was uh i was invited i joined clubhouse was having an amazing time like oh my god i'm talking to strangers this is great (laughs) and um started looking for jewelers could not find a jewelry club a jeweler a jewelry group could not i randomly i met someone on clubhouse we talked about whatever the next day I got on Clubhouse and this person said, hey, Ama, I met another jeweler. You should link with him. His name is such and such. Great. Thanks for thinking of me, random person that I've never met in, in real life. Met him. Hey, let's start a group for jewelers. Okay, great, because I know one person. Awesome. I'll meet y'all. I'll link with you on, on Instagram. So, and then there were three. So then what I decided to do is, well, I've been following all of these jewelers on Instagram that I have loved and stand for months and years. Let me just try something. I started, I started sending them DMs and they responded and they were like, I would absolutely love to join. And then I fainted. And then I checked my phone again and then I fainted again because I'm so new at this. And these are people that I have in a lot of ways like, idolized and they wanted to be a part of the conversation too so that's how it started is that i just reached out i was looking for people and everyone was like oh my god i was looking for jewelers too and no one voted on a name like i just the atelier because i always liked that name the atelier you know what well, that just sounds awesome let's all learn french and um so that was it. It was unorganized. The first time we met, we were just all so excited. <laughs> you, know, you know, yell across the world. It's like Horton, here's a who. We are here. Um, but yeah, so we just put, you know, meet on Instagram and, you know, a little chat and someone might invite someone else who they think would be good. And um, then I said, well, what do we want to talk about? We're here. Now what? So, you know, you know, folks saying, well, let's talk about sustainability and the, the, the. Okay, well, let's talk about, um, and so I just said, okay, so I made a Google sheet. <laughs> oh, this is ad hoc, everything. Hey, you guys, if you've got something you want to talk about or think you could lead, why don't you put in this Google sheet? We now have, if we meet every Friday, we now have enough programming to get us through August. Wow, amazing. Of just conversations that we want to have and who can we invite and who do you know? And just started from curiosity right in my mouth (laughs) and a Google sheet. And it's been fruitful, not just because of camaraderie and having new peerships, but I've also gotten mentorship out of it. Um, you know, just people, you know, in the group know who I am now. And I've had people reach out in the group and, you know, people who are just been listeners, even you reached out as well, just to want to connect. And so it's done these things for my career in just a short amount of time. And I'm like, I just didn't know. Um, So it's been super valuable because it's all just conversations. It's not trying to be an influencer and monetize and have my brand, my brand, my brand. It's just I think that's why I like the word networking it freaks a lot of people out because you think you have to go and try to get something. And I think that's the same as branding. Sometimes it's sales. You think branding is sales, but I look at branding and network as like the relationship. Yeah what do you have to offer? What do you have to say? And if you don't have anything to say, then how can you affirm and listen? And so that's what I've been getting out of Clubhouse. And it's been super valuable to me. Absolutely.
0: I love it. I think I've been to like three or four of them. And the last one with Danielle from Gem Gossip. And I always look at who else is in the room and i'm so impressed mm-hmm. by like these big name designers that i'm yes. like wow this is like a dream absolutely. team of people in this room i am loving
1: absolutely this. absolutely so like you know one of them is lorraine west yeah you know hey lorraine how's it going congrats on your placement in essence Magazine and she's like oh my god thank you so much it's just been so overwhelming because i've had so many orders and, did and i'm just like so i am so standing for your success right now like let's talk about success let's talk about defining success let's talk about when success can be overwhelming like so it's a completely different conversation or i remember i reached out to Polly polywell i just thought polywell like it was just like a brand account i didn't expect it to be her phone to be in her pocket and then she sees the message <laughs> and she says yes I'll join oh I fainted and I, I just died I know and it's being like being starstruck Wells, <laughs> I've been so stuck. that's so cool <laughs> so <laughs> um I mean just just amazing people who do amazing work that just want to chat that are just because humans mean humans. so it has been Just amazing organic conversation and with people from all over, you know, every facet to not be, you know, be cliche, but every facet of this industry, you know, whether it's sustainability or whether it's designers or whether they are gem sourcers or whatever they may do. It's amazing and it's super educational for me because I'm still just two years into this industry. Yeah. Um, so it it definitely puts me in the right company and it's also creating other opportunities for me.
0: Yeah. I think it's such a good lesson in branding what you've done, whether you, whether you realize it or not, or intentionally did it, but like not being, I mean, it takes guts to just start something and then like be DMing people and asking to join, mm-hmm. even when you're not sure about the future of it. Like you took a yep. bold step that. I think what holds a lot of jewelry brands back in their marketing is they're just checking off the boxes Mm -hmm. of like what other people are doing. Like, okay, I got my Instagram Mm -hmm. check. Like I did Mm -hmm. my Pinterest Mm -hmm. check. I did this, this, but like, they're not thinking about how they can step out on the ledge a little bit and take a risk and maybe try something new without Necessarily in agenda, or without knowing, like this will guarantee me X results, right. but like just right. trying different stuff. Yeah, yeah,
1: there. You know, I have i I built a structure for Ilium. If someone goes on right now and wants to buy a piece, boom, 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 through the cart, all of that stuff. It's it's there, which in and of itself is very fortunate because I was able to pull on other people to help build these things. But I have been at this now for two years into this year, and I am just now getting my first sale. I could not tell you how much fun I am having. I am having so much fun. (laughs) If you would have told me two years ago that I would go through all of this and just be getting my... and. I would like back then. I would have freaked out. Or I might not have done it. So it has been a very rich and valuable experience, and the ROI is not just, you know, a balance sheet. It is the what I'm able to learn and do just because of the innocent desire to connect is doing more for my brand than the Instagram courses that I've bought, and the LinkedIn posts that I've made, and the, you know, the Facebook and Instagram ads, and Google ads that I've run that are just, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, like, just the innocent connecting with humans has done more. Um, and so with that, this first piece that I'm making came from me you know writing a comment on the picture of a woman that I really admire and look up to she posted about the jewelry she was wearing and she tagged the jewelers and then I said so who's making your waist seeds because I know a company who makes them in 14 karat gold she was what oh what are you what she's you know a woman of African descent what are you talking I say, yeah, they're making up with gemstones and diamonds and bone. And yeah, they're amazing because I built the company. And she was like, what? So now she, I could have never imagined someone of her caliber being my first client by any means. And that was just Instagram comment. I still don't get any engagement on my business page. It's set up. It's gorgeous. But it's, everyone always says like that organic engagement. Okay. It just means talking to people. It just means having conversations and it's been 100,000% valuable and it's getting, now it's getting this ball rolling. So I'm very, very thankful for both.
0: Yeah. Those are all such good reminders. I think to the people listening that at the end of the day, it is about connecting with people. I think that's so true.
1: It's true. It's so true. It's so true. And it's easy to forget, but it's absolutely about the people.
0: Yeah. So one thing I did notice, um, about your brand that I really love is the lifestyle photography. I know you kind Mm -hmm. of mentioned a little earlier, you have photography friends and you, you know, are hiring experts Mm -hmm. to do this for you. But Mm -hmm. one thing I find with clients I work with is getting that photo shoot that really represents like what they stand for, what they're trying to communicate is one of the hardest things to do. So do you have any tips have you learned anything along the way can you share anything with our listeners about that
1: yes so the photo shoot like it still makes me so happy to think about it and look at the pictures and the behind the scenes videos from that day because like that feeling that energy that came out is the background what came out in the pictures um the photographer. How did I find the photographer? I don't know. And she was not, you know, a squeaky kind of editorial vogue photographer. Like people think I need a professional. That it means it's inaccessible. Yeah. Again, a lot of us millennials, we just having to hustle and come up with it and do the new skills. So there's the photographer and her space was very accessible financially. Still good been accessible. The models were my girlfriends. I knew the look that I wanted. I knew I wanted all shades and colors and sizes. That was very important to me. Um so I asked my girlfriend, girl, drink come with your face and your hair done, because I don't have a makeup budget. So just put put your face on and show up. Um one of the investments that I did make that I almost forgot about is that I decided to hire a stylist. I have never worked with a stylist ever until that shoot. Um, But I had to take, you know, my headshots for the website as well and the models. And I was like, you know what, am I really about to go to TJ Maxx and Nordstrom Rack to try to get clothes? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't I don't know. I don't know people's sizes. I'm going what? I think I just need somebody to do this. Who do I know that does this? And I had a friend who had a boyfriend who was a stylist. And he couldn't do it, but he knew he had a stylist that was apprenticing under him. Excellent. Wonderful. She was so good. I was like, oh, this is why people hire stylists. She's making mood boards. I would have never ever made it. I would have just been at TJ Maxx, just trying to get stuff. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) So that was a super valuable investment into the shoot. Um, And then what else? I made a playlist on Spotify so that we could have the mood and, you know, going in the background. But You know, these are things that I never thought about. I think that for anyone who has never done this and tries to think, well, what would help? Look at an editorial in a magazine and see the team that is built to do this. It's not just a photographer, but you also have hair and makeup. You have someone doing the nails. You have the stylist, the stylist assistant. And it can make your head spin but the point is that all of these things are accessible, and it's not just vogue. One of the things that I have learned over the years, and, and part of this is you know time that I've spent not just in college, but as a recruiter and working with college students and just throughout my life look for talent that is in school or just coming out, because they have been trained on the most current equipment. They need to build a portfolio. They are eager to work. I hired an interior decorator once and she had just graduated from interior design school. She was so happy. She was so happy to do the work and I could go get stuff from world market instead of having to go to like Ethan Allen. It's so accessible and it's so possible. And, um, so that's made all the difference for me is to look and see what does it take to make something amazing and then figure out how I can afford amazing. And that's, that's everything that was behind the pictures that are on my website um, was, to, was to put everything in it that I could.
0: And it paid off. I'm
1: very, very proud of that.
0: I feel your very resourceful millennial attitude coming out. It's like, we've had to learn how to make <laughs> things work.
1: <laughs> we've got to make them work. What are we, how are we going to do this? Cause it's got to get done at the end of the day and we're not bajillionaires, but yes, it is the resourcefulness. Some people call it scrappy. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the scrappiness is absolutely in this and you can make luxury and be scrappy. Yeah. So that's I, I, that's what I would recommend to anyone listening is that if you want to elevate your brand, take examples from brands that are elevated. To say, okay, this is what I might need to do or find people who can. I uh, 100%. Yeah.
0: Those are great tips. So tell me, now that we're wrapping up here, what do you have in store for the future of Ilium Wing? Tell me, what are your plans and your dreams? What's going on with you moving forward? Ooh,
1: I am really excited right now. Like, I know sometimes when you ask people that and you hear interviews and people ask like, oh, it's just the future holds so much. But generally, I'm very excited. <laughs> um, so what I'm doing is, uh, you know, I've got this piece that I'm making right now for a woman who is she is an influencer in every regard. It's not the intention to have an influencer campaign, just who do I respect and want to see in my pieces. So I'm finishing up a piece for her now. Um, I can't wait to get that off to her and want to see her do an unboxing and, you know, her 150,000 followers, will see it and we'll see what happens after that. So that's, amazing and unexpected, and I'm thankful. Um, but also another thing that I am looking into and have an opportunity to come up is um, to work with stylists, to have my pieces sent to stylists to be placed in editorials or events or whatever. Um, because I do know that I need eyes, but I do know that I cannot afford PR. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I have done is um, on my Ilium Wing Instagram page is that uh, if I have pictures from the brand shoot or, you know, of a piece or me wearing a piece, um, I have looked up to see who are the stylists for some of my favorite celebrities. And I will tag them on that story. And I'll make the font super, super, super tiny and put it in like the corner. And then I'll go back a little bit later and see that that stylist has seen that picture. So it's it's an eye, it's a blip, but they've seen it. And so that's been really cool. Um, I don't know why, like people don't always see comments and you don't want to like tag them always in the picture itself. But I can tag someone in a story and that's getting eyes for the stylists, for the celebrities that I want to see my pieces in or see in my pieces. So that's exciting. And so once I get this commission done, then that's going to be my next focus is um, contacting stylists because I may have a list of 20, but I only need one. Yeah. And every step for me has been focused. Let me just get one. If I can get one, then I can get two, but let me get one first. Um, And then, you know, the future, man, how can I say this? I would love, I think copycat brands would be great because that means that it has been absorbed into the culture. Maybe I'm strange.
0: That's such an interesting perspective, Ama. I like that. (laughs) Well, I mean, I've
1: thought about that and if you hadn't asked and I hadn't have been so comfortable, I would have never said it. I'm not saying that I want somebody to take my logo and flip it, you know, the other way. But waist beads are cultural, they're subcultural. Everyone wears rings, everyone wears necklaces, everyone wears earrings, everyone wears these, you know, pieces and they're designed in a million different ways. But waist beads have been worn for thousands of years all over the world and they're pretty secret. They're worn under clothes. And um, so I would love to see them become more of like a public awareness. Mm-hmm. And if that means that other brands start making them too or new brands come up and they're, they're, they're wearing them, then that means that it's being absorbed into the culture. And that's what I would love to see. Um, who knows what's gonna happen. You know, it may not, but that's, that's what I think would be amazing is to start seeing other people wear them and make them and elevate the art because art is for everybody.
0: That's definitely an attitude of abundance that shows not only that you're confident in what you're doing, but that you have generosity mm-hmm. and spirit and that you're just passionate about the idea of what you're doing. So I love all of that. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you so much for is that i'm gonna i'm gonna take that with me through the rest of my day oh i'm glad <laughs> absolutely thank you thank you so much
0: yeah well it was such a pleasure talking to you today on I loved hearing all these stories and you gave me a lot of really great food for thought so i really appreciate your time thank you i i, I have too and
1: um i'm just really honored that you reached out to me i really really am again I didn't think I was going to do a podcast interview. I just wanted to talk to jewelers. <laughs> I, like, oh, I love shiny like things too. <laughs> um, so that was the intention and it was very innocent and things happen from that sometimes. And you are a part of that. You're an example of that. So thank you so much. Yeah.
0: Looking forward to more clubhouse ateliers in the future.
1: Every, every
0: Friday
1: from two to four Eastern on clubhouse.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. I loved speaking to Amma about her experiences in the industry and about her jewelry brand, Ilium Wing. If you'd love to learn more about her brand and her waist beads, you can visit Iliumwing.com. That's I-L-I-U-M-W-I-N-G.com. Or follow the brand on Instagram at iliumwing. And if you'd like to visit or join the atelier on Clubhouse, you can follow AMA on Clubhouse. That's at AMA McKinley, A M A M C K I N L E Y on Clubhouse, and then check out the casual meetup every Friday at two p.m. Eastern Eastern time. As a reminder, my new book, Jewelry Marketing Joy, is available and ready to ship. If you would like to purchase it for a discounted price, free shipping included, visit joyjoya.com book for all the information. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information about marketing services for your jewelry brand, visit joyjoya.com where you can download our free ebook, Proven conversion strategies for e-commerce jewelry retailers.